0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you.
1: I'm your host, today, Bill Bannum, And in this episode, I'm going to chat with the awesome, fantastic, wonderful Michael Cooper, Chief Technology Officer, Inclusive Futures Technology Strategy at Cisco. Michael has focused on defining the people and communities functional strategy, operating model, and driving strategy for AI and AI and ethics. This is going to be uh, a conversation that should largely open my head today, listeners. Uh, Prior to joining Cisco, He was partner and CIO at Mercer for the talent line of business where he managed a portfolio of revenue-generating HR tech solutions and drove a multi-year tech strategy. Michael, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today.
0: Well, it's wonderful to be here, Bill, and and, uh, chat with you about all things HR technology. So thanks for inviting me on.
1: So before we go any further, um, you and I are new to each other. Uh, I like you already, but why, why don't you why don't you take a minute or two and and tell me and tell our audience a little bit more about yourself?
0: Sure, absolutely. So uh, I work in what we at Cisco what we refer to as our people policy and purpose organization, which is <clears throat> a larger organization than just the traditional HR organization. That includes our our workplace resources so the the group that that manages all our buildings it includes our government affairs uh um, areas and hr so it's it's the larger organization and and i have a really interesting job that is even more than what you said uh in the intro there where i have a team that's responsible for the employee experience of our hr solutions our hr offering strategy and portfolio Uh, We look at value metrics, I manage the budget, and of course, our AI and ML strategy. So I'm able to pull together all of these aspects of solutions and experience and offerings, um, budget, and how how they all flow together to make sure that we have the right offerings at the right time and the right place for our employees and our, our suppliers and partners.
1: Okay, sounds awesome. I bet it's been a bit complicated over the last eighteen months, Michael. Um, how, how, what would have been some of the biggest challenges in terms of having to adapt and and provide solutions that perhaps you didn't think were the right solutions uh, for for your employees over the course of uh, the course of the last eighteen months as as we've lived through the crisis?
0: You know it's been very interesting. Cisco has uh, you know, given that we are a collaboration technology company. We've always had a pretty robust uh, remote you know, work from home or come into the office. We're, we're very video forward in all of our meetings. So in one sense, it hasn't been particularly difficult for us other than people who used to go into the office every single day and now weren't able to go in. But we also learned uh, that there were some things that although we thought we were prepared for, we weren't. Things like uh, like hiring and onboarding, when you have a lot of processes that assume that that people will come into an office at some point to pick up equipment or do orientation or things like that. And when you can't do that, it did it did cause some problems. So there were there were some areas that made it difficult, all of our training that was on site and having to switch to virtual training. So there were a few things, but we were actually able to pretty quickly pivot to just say, well, we have a bunch of collaboration technology. That's just going to become move that to the forefront and we will do everything. Um, you know, with collaboration technology. And what was interesting, what we saw with that is, is you know, I spend a lot of time, we can probably talk about it. Uh, yeah, I spent the first couple of years at Cisco focusing on, on diversity, inclusion and equity, um, digital solutions It actually allowed for more inclusiveness. When everybody is a little box on a video, uh, and everybody's in the same place, you actually start to get more inclusive because you don't have some people that are sitting in an office and some people that are sitting at home. So we actually saw some benefits to that, even with, you know, some of the challenges.
1: Let's talk a bit about the, the DE&I component that you just mentioned there from your first two or three years of the, the business. Why and how has the e and i friendly technology become fundamental to who companies are and how, how they will succeed in, in this age of digital transformation? um i mean it's been it's it's been in, uh, a very impactful year not just because of the pandemic of course but of, 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 uh, but uh, the murder of george floyd and and uh, the new impetus that they that gave to the black lives matter movement for example um plus the ongoing struggle when it comes to um f- folk of um uh, of, of different orientations for example um Tell us a bit about y- your perspective in terms of why it's so important now, finally, for, for, for leadership to get it and for HR to instill the and i friendly technology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a really fascinating topic. I actually was recruited into Cisco uh, by a very visionary uh, leader. Our, our chief diversity officer, um, Sherry Slate, recruited me in to really focus in this area. She really saw that there were not a lot of vendors out there providing uh, advanced analytics around diversity and digital solutions around diversity in fact our our function was called inclusion and collaboration that was the, the group given cisco's a collaboration company we really saw the value of inclusion collaboration and participation and a company the size of cisco we we had to think digital we, are, we could not think traditional ways of, of doing that we're just too large of a company which has now served us really well with with covid is is you know everything we do we delivered digitally so it doesn't matter where you are um, so I, I, that being said it's where I think there's a huge opportunity in dei friendly technology because again but you know almost five years ago there wasn't a lot out there my team I built a team and we we developed a lot of internal stuff but vendors are really just starting to scratch the surface and value of the integration of HR processes in into this area so it's an open opportunity you know I think as you as you said this started with the me too movement all of the social justice issues that are coming to light in the last couple of years, it's really kind of forcing companies to really think through their social justice and diversity strategies and think strategically then for those companies that are st- thinking strategically starting to think about their digital technologies to support this. And, and the way that I think about it is you know, data is typically at the heart of the intelligence needed to solidify these strategies. So, diversity numbers, hiring, retention, promotion, total rewards, engagement, job descriptions, for example. So for example, you link them together. You you need to link your diversity data with external benchmarks. Those are the key to creating workforce plans that include your diversity action plans. Understanding your retention, promotion, total rewards, and engagement data is a key to your team performance and succession process and technology understanding how diverse candidates progress through the hiring cycle uh, is key to, to your use of solutions like reducing bias and job descriptions, diverse applicant pools, diverse interview panels, understanding how sponsorship, mentorship, and proximity contribute to retention, promotion, career movement, and engagement of your diverse um your diverse workforce so the core of these digital solutions is that prescriptive and predictive advanced analytics that provide the intelligence to determine which solutions are driving value so this is an area we're starting to see vendors lean in finally on on providing technology providing advanced analytics um, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, to help with all of this, but there's still niche solutions. And and the next thing I think you know, in in a few years, is is when we start to see all of these technologies hang together in a little more cohesive and co- coherent fashion. Right now, they're all separate. So you know, as the customer, you gotta you gotta figure out what you need and then link them all together. So still a lot of integration happening.
1: This podcast is supported by Fidelo, Inc., a consulting firm specializing in improving human performance. Through their products and services, Fidelo helps clients design, develop, and implement strategic integrated human resource processes and systems. Learn more at Fidelo.com. That's F-I-D-E-L-L-O o.com. So a better use of predictive analytics has been... It's been kind of a slow march, hasn't it, over the last five, six, seven years, something like that, really, with 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 a lot of organisations. Um, but outside of that slow march, Michael, what do you think are, are the most dramatic shifts that you've seen happening in the HR tech space uh, in, in, in recent times? And and maybe as part of that answer, you could perhaps share what you what you've seen, perhaps not at Cisco but elsewhere that that's been delayed by by the pandemic
0: yeah absolutely so i think you know one one of those is is what i just talked about with the you know the the digital uh digital solutions and advanced analytics uh driving uh diversity equity and inclusion so that's that's a key one right that's a dramatic shift as companies really need to get a handle on what's happening at their company i think another big one is employee experience and and we see a lot of the vendors talk starting to talk about it Especially now that people are working from home, uh, when we start to think about hybrid work, what what is that employee experience need to be both within the HR technologies and how those HR technologies then connect to maybe more um, company-wide employee experience thing. So when you think about onboarding, having a seamless experience of of onboarding, both from your recruiting system on into getting your laptop and getting security and everything set up. So I think that's another, that's one. I think another one is skills, everything related to, to skills. Skills drive a ton of things, skills drive recruiting. Am I recruiting for the right skills? It derives internal movement. How, how do I uh, kind of break the chains of, of leaders controlling their workers? How do I make that information available so, so employees can more seamlessly find roles with, within the company and move to other roles without having to maybe go through a traditional open a rec and apply for a job? Can, can I, I, I know a bunch of information about my employees, can I make this more seamless? it also drives learning. So a lot of we're seeing a lot of vendors leaning into the skills area to support all those things. And I think finally, team collaboration, we're starting to see a number of vendors that are looking at team collaboration uh, as separate um, solutions, or we're starting to see some, you know, some really basic things being built into some of the larger HR um, ERPs around teams. So I think those are a, a couple dramatic shifts that I'm that I'm seeing. What I think was delayed was anything related to on-site, right? So big, expensive HR technology projects that didn't directly support flexibility needed um, during COVID. Uh, I think those things were put on hold, possibly canceled if if they didn't drive what, what they needed. So I think that was a big one. But then the flip side was then anything that was accelerated, anything um, that supported work from home virtual onboarding, video interviewing, those types of things were accelerated. So I think we're kind of going back to what are the technologies that provide the flexibility? Those are accelerated. What are the things that are going to inhibit that flexibility right now? That was either canceled or delayed is is what I'm seeing.
1: Okay. Thank you. Now, one thing I'm fascinated by on an ongoing basis, but I've... I've I've been doing a few interviews recently with with folk and delving into this issue. So, for example, listeners, by the time this show goes live, there would have been a show that's gone live with uh, Frida Polly, uh, who's the CEO and co-founder at High mm-hmm. Metrics, and um, uh, she she writes for the Washington Post and and, and elsewhere. She's awesome. Um, and and a question that her and I were talking about is how can the HR department trust that AI and machine learning is doing. Uh, what, it, what it should be doing you know when, when they ultimately don't really understand uh, the algorithms involved now you're quoted as saying that the challenge for vendors and for companies creating HR tech solutions using AI and machine learning will be explainability in the algorithm uh, excuse me in the algorithms and to reduce bias in the data sets and algorithms so in your opinion, how can HR trust AI when they can't fully grasp? How, how how, the AI works?
0: You know, I, I was thinking a lot about this question and, and honestly, I, I think it comes down to that the time has passed when uh, HR departments can remain ignorant of these types of digital technologies, right, where, where they can just rely on vendors to do all the work, where they can rely on other, you know, other people and just trust, just trust. I, I think that time has passed and I, you know, I think we're, we're, Especially, especially with the pandemic, where you know <laughs> we really have to become a digital um, workforce. I, I think you just have to build the bench strength here, and, and you can do that in in several ways. Either you're you're hiring within, you're partnering with. Say a lot of companies have bench strength in this area with their legal team. Believe it or not, right? Because we there, there's always that that worry. Uh, internally about the use of AI and, and ML and how might that impact the company. So legal teams are building up a bench strength and understanding um, data sets and algorithms. Uh, you, you could go with your IT, you know, your IT teams, uh, maybe some external consulting vendors, but you, you can't ignore it. You, you need to build that bench strength so that you know what questions to ask your vendors that are deploying, AIML. You need to know what questions to ask for any internally custom developed solutions, right? Because as I said in there, that the worry is, is that machines that make decisions for an employee that are not explainable are problematic and and set you up, uh, you know, for for some potential legal issues. So I I just I don't think there's any way around this one other than to figure out how you're going to build your bent strength. So for me. Right, I have several data scientists on my team, uh, including a senior data scientist who has responsibility to ensure that we have the right AI ML solutions in our HR organization that, that can um, work on some of these vendor RFPs. But just as important, she partners with our Cisco engineering teams for the products that we deliver. And she partners with them to make sure they're developing the right algorithms and ensure their data sets that they're using, uh, you know, are the right data sets and don't have an unintended bias built in. So she's engaged both on an HR standpoint internally. She's engaged with our engineering teams. Now maybe we're lucky because we're a technology company and and we can do that. Uh, but again, I just I just think you have to build that bench strength.
1: Okay, what I'm hearing from you there, Michael, in part is uh, to quote the the awesome late George Michael, listeners, you, you've got to have faith uh to an extent um now <laughs> on, a,
0: on, a, on, a, on a on a related i love it, on a, I love it. can you. i borrow you that you
1: one really. i'm gonna borrow that well, one. <laughs> he, he he do you know what he, he was everybody's he was everybody's artist so you run with it um okay so on, on a related note one of the most common mistakes when implementing new hr technologies is failure to explain to the employees and leaders the value or roi of a solution you know a, a little bit like failure to to fully comprehend what mm-hmm. AI can do, machine learning can do. How, how can HR get better at this?
0: I think it starts with knowing and understanding what your business outcomes and objectives you're trying to drive or achieve with the HR technology. Why, why are you doing that? L- literally stopping a second and documenting those business outcomes and those objectives and And we've been thinking about this because I you know I manage the the data scientists that work on our value metrics, so that we are measuring the effectiveness of our solutions and and get involved in the beginning for those ROI conversations. and And we're starting to think about this from what we you know, what I think other people have heard of is the triple the the triple bottom line and the triple bottom line uh, these days as profits, people and planet versus just profits. And so a lot of companies are starting to think of the triple bottom line. And so we're thinking about it just a little bit differently, similar, but differently, we think about it in terms of employee experience. So what, what does the sentiment, diversity, fairness, and well-being, right? These things have value in and of themselves. What is the shareholder value that it brings? So if we connect employee sentiment to productivity, time to hire versus opportunity loss, retention versus the cost of rehire, right? These have impacts on the company profits, shareholder value, and brand. And then finally, we spend a lot of time thinking about community impact, which, which goes to Planet, but it's bigger than that. It's the philanthropic work that a company does to change the community, and that work, again, impacts your brand, your employee engagement, um. So that it has value uh, in of itself. So we start by saying, okay, what do you? What's your outcome and your objectives? Let's think about it in these three categories of experience, shareholder value, and community impact. And then we methodically go through a, a sort of uh, you know um, some sessions with the people as they start to think about what what solutions they they want to bring in or anything we want to build internally and we methodically walk through figuring out how do, how do we measure that? And if we can't measure it, then, then maybe we're not trying to do the right thing here. And that's kind of how we think about it.
1: Awesome, and just finally, how can our listeners connect with you?
0: You know, I think the best way to connect with me is probably on, on LinkedIn. Uh, Mention that you heard me on the show and, and uh, you know any questions that you might have, I'm happy to, to connect with people and, and uh, talk a little bit more.
1: Great. And uh, links to you, your LinkedIn profile and various things going on at Cisco will be in the show notes, I'm sure. So that just leaves me to say for today, Michael, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the HR Chat Show.
0: Great, Billy. It was wonderful to talk to you as well.
1: And listeners, until next time, happy working.
0: Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.